Welcome to episode 14 of the Podium Runner Endurance Podcast. On the show, I talk to athletes, coaches, and sports scientists about their experiences and advice. Thanks for listening, and I'm your host, Ian Sharman, head coach at Sharman Ultra and a professional ultra runner. This episode, we're talking to my good friend, Yassine Daboon. He's a father, husband, co-owner of Wyeast Wolfpack, a coach, Columbia sportswear athlete, and he comes from Portland, Oregon, just over the mountains from where I live. He started in triathlon in 2005 and then moved towards longer road runs such as half marathons and full road marathons. He completed and won with a course record his very first ultra marathon in 2007 and hasn't looked back since. He's also a four-time four finisher at the Western States 100 miler, a three-time finisher at the Hurt 100 miler in Hawaii, and he's finished the UTMB race in uh, France, uh, Switzerland, and Italy. He's also represented Team USA at the World Trail Championships in 2015. So his Wyeus Wolfpack group does personal coaching, group training uh, via fitness classes and running clinics. He also leads group track workouts for Run TRG in Portland and group trail runs as well. Another program he created is trail running camps for young people, including from minorities, instilling movement and running from an early age. So this show is mainly about group training, talking about community and how it helps us become better runners and live fulfilling lives. We discuss his work as a coach with the various groups mentioned previously hit the benefits of different types of group training scenarios, both for improved fitness, plus for the mental health gains and what we can learn from other runners. Uh, we talk about how to do epic adventure runs with friends and why they're a great idea. Plus we discuss his experience as a BIPOC runner and how sport brings people together, especially what you or I can do to help on a daily basis. So I think there's some really gold nuggets of, of important stuff, especially in the second half of this one. And Yasin's a great person to talk to and, and an amazing person as well. So let's get into it. Do you want to run further and faster and recover quicker and easier? Do you want to feel healthier than you've ever felt before? You need to make a change, and that's what Inside Tracker is all about. Founded by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard, Inside Tracker is a personalized health and wellness platform like no other. What's their secret? First, Inside Tracker uses its painted algorithm to analyze your body's data and offer you a clearer picture than you've ever had before of what's going on inside you. Then Inside Tracker provides you with concrete, science-backed, trackable action plan information for reaching your performance goals and being your healthy best. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering a 25% off in its entire store. Just visit insidetracker.com/endurancehour. Start using Inside Tracker today because change is an inside job. So today we're talking about running with other people, especially in big groups or at races, and that's been less common in the past year. So I'm talking to Yassine Daboon, who's a stalwart of the Portland, Oregon running scene. Hi, Yassine. Hey, Ian. How are you? It's great to be here. Yeah, we, we saw each other a couple of weeks ago, and, and we see each other pretty regularly, given that you're only the, the other side of the mountains from me, but uh, it's Absolutely. always good to be able to catch up. Oh, yeah. I think this is the first time we are talking and not bouncing around the trail together. And uh, it was great to see you a couple of weeks ago and race with you, run some miles together. As it always is. And, and the topic really today is, is about running with other people. When I think mm -hmm. of running with other people, you are one of the first people that jumps to my mind, both because of the groups <laughs> that you use uh, for helping other people train, for the fact that you're always doing runs with other people, and the adventures that you've introduced for me as well. So um, a lot of what we're going to discuss today is kind of related to things like motivation, enjoyment of the sport, uh, and that helps with training consistent consistently, obviously. So um, mm -hmm. The first thing I want to do, though, is talk a little bit about your own running, some of your background, so that people get an idea of the kind of things that you've mm -hmm. done in the past and, and also what you do currently uh, with your business and your work. So um, sure. you've done uh, road races, trail races, uh, triathlon, loads of things for, for quite a while now. So um, mm -hmm. plenty of big results in there, like top 10, a Western States 100 miler and a fast marathon time. So what um, stands out mm -hmm. to you overall from all of that? What are, what are kind of your highlights? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I started in triathlon back in 2005, and I, I kind of moved on to longer races, half marathons, marathons on the road. And then eventually I started finding out about this trail culture, and I really gravitated towards that. And it really is because a lot of what we're talking about tonight, about the community and about running together and finding these social structures that our sport brings us. 
And I just really connected with that and almost finding my tribe of people. And I found that it made me a better runner. Um, I don't do all of my runs with people, uh, but uh, I found that the social aspect is one of the things I really love about the sport. And, you know, if you look back at kind of history of humans, we, we ran together, we hunted together. We, we always kind of look at an anthropology standpoint. Um, and if you think about, you know, in the road marathons, the guy that goes off on the front by his own rarely wins. It's the pack mentality that are yeah, that, running together. That's my together. tactic. What are you talking about? That's, that's the way <laughs> <Yes>. I race. <laughs> as long as it's a very, very small race. <laughs> yes, right, right. No, but I, um, you know, I really found my niche in trail running and ultra running over the years. And um, moving to Oregon was, was a big part of that, too. I felt like in 2009, when I moved to Portland, my running really took off. Before that, I was living in upstate New York, where the winters were pretty cold and brutal. And I, I, I didn't get the same quality of training that I did out here in Oregon. And so in 09, I moved here and my running just kind of blossomed with many more races and being on the West Coast and lots of mountains nearby. And that's when I started getting into races like Western States, which were dream races of mine and, and being able to perform pretty consistently and well. Um, for that race over the years. Um, and then just, yeah, all the other local races and, you know, seeing you going out on adventure runs. And, you know, that's one thing that sticks out for me is that I've always tried to balance out my year with races and adventure runs too, and not to just kind of over race or because I am a person that likes competition and I'm motivated by that. But I also like like, for instance, when you and I go out on our adventure runs and run around, you know, Mount Hood or, um, you know, out into the gorge and, and whatnot. So it's it's a fun way to connect. And it's also a fun way to push ourselves in competition. And it's been my I life for agree. like the last yeah. 12 years. You know, it's been my life for the last, you know, 12 to 15 years. And so... With it, do you <laughs> still try and make sure you can do all those different types of race now? Uh, like, do you do any triathlons anymore? I have not done a triathlon in quite a while, but ever since the pandemic, I have been kind of thinking about it more. Last summer, I bought a stand-up paddleboard, and it was a great way to just get out on the water in the summer, uh, which was great because, uh, you know, there's no transmission of the, of the virus out there in the water. And I would, I would start swimming down the Tualatin River and my daughter would paddleboard or kayak next to me. And I kind of really started getting back into that idea of like, hmm, I feel really good after I'd swim. You know, I got a mountain bike. Maybe I might try an off-road triathlon here in the near future. It's just the swimming, mountain biking, and then trail running. So I'm definitely uh, intrigued. It's always good that for me. I always like to mix things up, you know, like I said, with races, with um you, you do the same thing too. I see you running on roads and doing different types of events and different types of adventure runs. And I feel like for me, it's like variety is the spice of life. And I like to, to be able to be versatile, to be able to do different distances, different di um, terrain, if you will. And uh, the cross training aspect of triathlon is really, I always felt like really strong when I was doing triathlon. I, I think what you said there is obviously not uh, the the most of uh, the most. I'm not going to say original because it it's your thought and it, it's totally true. But everyone has heard this: that variety is the spice of life. Everyone knows that it's good to do multiple things, and there's definitely a lot of benefit there if you are a trail runner and a road runner, and you don't just do the same thing repetitively. To get really good at one thing, you've got to specialize in it. Sure. That doesn't mean you Absolutely. you do it exclusively. Uh, I, yeah. I'm definitely a strong believer that if you want to become a better trail runner, do some road mm -hmm. racing and certainly do some road training. And if you want mm -hmm. to become a better road racer, you still got to include hills. You've got to include trails. Mm -hmm. It's going to be using the muscles differently. It's giving you different skill sets. Um, and especially that idea of like uh, running with other people as some kind of adventure, because I think a lot of people train for a race and then maybe they have group runs where the weekend they do their long run, you know, a 15 mile or a 20 mile or whatever it may be for, for their skill level. Mm -hmm. And they do it maybe with their one buddy. Uh, and particularly in the last year, 
maybe it was one person they've been limited to, or maybe they haven't run with other people for 15 months or something at this point. Um, but you organize a lot of different types of group runs. So both kind of informal things, like you introduced me to running around Mount Hood. That's a, an mm-hmm. amazing 40-mile spectacular loop that I would recommend anyone to do uh, if you're even slightly interested in ultras or trails. But there mm-hmm. is no race there. It's something where you've just got to do it yourself. <clears throat> you can follow a particular trail. And it is very much an epic day out. It's an adventure. It's a, it's a tough day. It's for training. But you don't yeah. need to race it. You can just have fun with friends, take in yeah. the scenery, take photos, and, and have that kind of adventure. So um, when you organize stuff like that, you do some of it just for fun with friends, and maybe yeah. there's some slightly faster people. And you also do it with other people. So your company is called mm-hmm. the, the Waste Golf Pack. Um, Correct. And I know there's yourself and, and your business partner, Brian. But um, first of all, why that name? I know it makes a bit more sense to me because oh. I come from this area, but I'm sure a lot of people would be like, what the hell's that? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, my business partner, Willie McBride, we started this back in uh, 2011, I believe. Geez, we're a decade in. And that's when we, you and I first ran that Mount Hood uh, loop that you talked about. There was a nice group of us. And I feel like that was uh, one that I'll always remember. You know, Joe out there taking these great photos and we all just kind of became friends like by sharing that journey around the mountain together. And then you and I have done it several times since then. Right. I mean, I think we've done it like three or four times together. At least. And, and it's even, I've even yeah. done it once or twice with other people because yeah. of, of you showing me that route. Yeah. And that one in particular, when we yeah. talk about adventure, part yeah. of that is doing something a little bit different. And that one, yeah. um, at that point they, they had a section that was washed out. Um, and mm-hmm. so you couldn't really get round it according to the normal trail. You had to basically mm-hmm. scramble down and then scramble mm-hmm. up. I smashed my phone going down that section, yes. I remember. Yes. Um, yep. But that, that's adventure. That's the kind of thing totally. that really can get you excited about stuff. And it's partly Absolutely. why we race, I think. But, but that's even yeah. a little bit more out there because you don't have aid stations. You don't have a <clears throat> medical right. team. You, you've got to prepare for it yourself. Yeah. So we all had to company, help each other out. We all had to help each other yeah. out and... And so, yeah, with our company, we do, you know, personal coaching and training, group fitness classes. We do youth programs. We do, we have our hands in a lot of different things. But one thing that's been constant from day one is we do these Thursday night social runs, we call them. And, you know, a lot of faster people and trail runners and ultra runners kind of gravitate towards our group. But inherently, sometimes it becomes a little fast paced, but we really try to focus on the social part of it too. So, we, we will run. It's usually six, you know, five to seven miles, we say. And then we, we kind of stop at junctions, regroup, hang out, talk for a second, and then start running again. And then we go to a different location every Thursday night, like a different establishment, hit the trails, and then we go out and have some food and drink afterwards. And it's just a great way to connect. And during that time, what often happens is we start scheming and planning what the weekend's going to look like. And then, you know, and everybody, and that's one of the things about 2020 that really, you know, it was a tough year in many ways for a lot of people, myself included, but it was just a really an eye-opening year too, to realize how much that I really missed that and how much I took that for granted, just having this social aspect and having this group of people that I connect with on a regular basis and share running with and share training with and like, you know, I was still running with people through the pandemic here and there, but it, was, it wasn't the, quite the same. It wasn't just like the group runs and it was like running with maybe a couple people with masks on and, and you know, and just really, it was tough. And um, I just, I realized how much I thrive in those environments too. And so that, that's one thing that we're kicking back up now. Tomorrow night, we have a we, we had a group last Thursday night and then we're having another one tomorrow night and we're excited to get back to that sense of community and camaraderie. And, and that's something we were talking about just <clears throat> two weeks ago when we had the, uh, the 50 K uh, <clears throat> over yes. near Portland uh, in, uh, in Corvallis. So mm-hmm. the two of us were running multiple miles together and it's just mm-hmm. that feeling of being around other people. And, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that virtually everyone who listens to this has run in groups and maybe it's a local running club that organizes it. Maybe it's uh, groups like, like you have in uh, Portland that you organize, but Mm -hmm. would you say that the biggest things there are obviously the sense of community is important. That makes belong. That's our tribe. That's something that makes the whole thing more social and fun. 
but also just the, the motivation behind it and the ability to bounce ideas off people. What, what other kind of benefits do you see people getting from that? Maybe that they Absolutely. are able to train harder, have, have, diff- have different races they can build towards together, those kind of things? Absolutely. Uh, I was actually just talking to, about this topic to somebody recently, and they were saying about how sometimes our group runs are, are kind of fast. And it's all relative, right? I mean, I, I go to certain group runs where I'm hanging on for dear life with the people that are faster than me. So I, I use the analogy of uh, I used to play a lot of basketball in high school, and I lived in Orlando, Florida, and I used to purposely go to this court where there were a lot of really tall, really strong, really fast guys and that were way better than me. But I went there purposely knowing that it was going to elevate my game. And it was going to help me improve. So there are times where running with a group that is better than you actually elevates you as a runner. It forces you to kind of push a little harder, right? You might not be able to talk as much during the run, but you're going to become a faster runner. And you incorporate that maybe once a week. And then you have your easier runs on other days. But I, um, I, I personally go to a Wednesday morning 6 a.m. group and sometimes I feel like I don't want to wake up in the morning, but I've kind of text, I'm on a text chain with people and I kind of told people that I would be there. And sometimes, you know, a couple of weeks ago, one of the women was just like, Hey, I want to push, I want to push the loop hard. I want to go for like my fastest time. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll pace you through like seven miles of it. And then I, I have to peel off, but yeah, it, you know, it was a great way for us to get up early be accountable to each other, sometimes push each other, and to also um, get ourselves out of bed and get it out of the way early in the morning. And then, you know, Wednesday morning before eight o'clock, I've already got, you know, a 15K run under my belt with like a couple thousand feet of climbing. And so that's just a nice like cornerstone piece that I have in my week that I know is solid, like every Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. I know what I'm doing with this group of people. And then other runs I have, I run, you know, with clients that I coach. And so some of those might be like easier days for me, more lower intensity days, and then longer runs on the weekends. And, you know, I actually, you know what, I run with people so much that I really look forward to times that I could run by myself. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest i'm I mean, sure most people listening will be like really that you got sick of people in the last year <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy because i find great joy in connecting with people and but there are times uh one of the things i really love about running is just like the solitude of it sometimes and just being able to like not worry about talking to people and listening and thinking and just more about like internalizing and processing my life and um, just having that solitude. So I, I think it's great to be a social runner. Not everybody is as extroverted as myself. I think there are times, even as an extrovert, though, that I, I really crave that solitude. I mean, there are times where I, I like look forward to like listening to some music and just going by myself. And I get giddy when I can go out by myself sometimes. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. But both have value. And I think mm-hmm. every single runner in the world will have some runs on their own, whether it's just through convenience or just what, what the only time that fits in or it doesn't fit in with other people who they would have wanted to meet up with. But uh, one of the other things you mentioned there was just accountability, that ability to yeah. have people who you know are going to be there at the trailhead or at the place where you meet up. And so you can't say no. And it, it takes away the procrastination. So whether mm-hmm. it's um, a speed session and maybe you'd just not wanted to do it because it's kind of hard. And so it gets mm-hmm. pushed to the next day and then the next day and the next day. Mm-hmm. If you're there with other people, it really helps. Um, yeah. Just end here, for example, we have a Tuesday night performance group um, that Max King organizes. So okay. I actually ran out to my house yesterday, which is kind of nice that they were doing loops. Oh, nice that I live next to but uh, it's a good group of people loads of different standards I think there's there's equivalence to that in a lot of places whether it's big cities small places trail locations whatever but yeah. um, it, it's something that you you personally organize as well as being part of so there's kind of two elements to that I suppose there's doing it kind of for fun because running is a hobby and that's the vast majority of people and then of course we hear about elite marathon groups where you know they have they live in the same house and and uh, they've all moved to that location to be working with a particular coach and a particular sponsor so mm-hmm. what what kind of overlaps do you think there are between those two um in particular maybe you know group speed sessions where like you're saying someone who's better than you is helping push mm-hmm. you a little bit more raising your level that type of thing 
totally. I was just going to say that. I mean, when you're in those situations and you are surrounded by people of a similar level with similar goals, and that is your only focus. And you mentioned, you know, somebody being specialized in an area, right? It's like my, my wife was getting her PhD. She was not going off and doing all these other things, right? She was very focused in on this. And then she became like an expert in this area. And it's the same thing with uh, these high level groups for, for runners where, you know, they're able to look at the workouts. They're able to push each other. They're, they're able to like say, hey, maybe we're going too hard on this one. This is an easy recovery run. Let's not let our egos get in the way. Let's save it for the workout tomorrow where we can actually really push each other. So I think there is an overlap with that camaraderie, but also with that sense of elevating each other in terms of uh, uh, pushing each other, you know, like and I wanna... supporting each other as well, you know, each person each is helping each other morally sure. as well as physically. Well, that's one of the things we love about running. It's like, even like you and me were running together in the McDonald Forest 50K. It's like, we were kind of like chatting and talking and helping each other, but at the same time, we're racing against each other, right? So there's that element of, you know, and I wanted to catch you, you know, but, you know, <laughs> but uh, I was, you know. Well, also, that's the beauty of an ultra that you can, you can talk a little bit more. Exactly. If you're in a 10K with people, you're probably not no, going to have a long conversation. No, with, it'll make not. new friends. No. But of course, if you're in a, a really, really long race, um, like even a marathon for many people, I'm yeah. sure there'd be some degree of being able to talk to people. But it's also one of the elements that's part of the trail community versus the road community that does tend to be a little bit more open to mm -hmm. everyone supporting each other, I would say. Mm -hmm. I might get a little bit of pushback from this, but I, I think most people can agree that a trail race, everyone's there and they're typically going to talk to each other. They're not going to be quite as laser focused on just being at the start line and ignoring everyone or being in the middle of the race and ignoring everyone, although some do, obviously. But road races you definitely get more of that i remember uh, being at a at the london marathon and um the running club that i i was with serpentine we were in the club championships for the uk so we had to mm. have a our club vest on and uh, uh so the, the running shirt with our colors and uh -huh. i remember there's like five or six of us in this start line for just the club runners and um we're talking and then as soon as the gun went off one of them just totally stopped talking like completely <laughs> ignored us and was like okay so game time. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's right. game time exactly <laughs> well i think in an ultra it's usually a little bit more chat um but i don't want to be you know too i don't want to be down on the road racing scene because i do love it uh, i'm a oh, massive yeah. fan but i think it's good to have a little bit of both of those and the totally. the community side of it can be within races obviously that's a big part of it but also just training partners so for, for someone yeah. who's maybe they run most of the time on their own and that's just what's the most convenient for them. Maybe they're a very busy person. What kind of things would be useful for them to look for in either a training partner or a training group? And how could they do that? You know, is it going to the local running store? What other things would you advise them to, to do and to look for? I, I would say to try to find a group that, I mean, there are so many running groups. I know at least in Portland and Bend, it seems like there are so many running groups around. So you can almost find a different flavor for every day of the week. So I, I would just kind of ask yourself, like, what are, what are your goals and intentions for finding a group and trying to find a group maybe that fits those goals. So if you're trying to like look for a harder workout, like I know that if I wanted to run with some fast guys, I could go to this group and they have one speed. It's hard. And so if I want, and so I used to do that actually in um, Ithaca, New York, there's this group called the High Noon Club and they meet at noon at Cornell University every day. And it was one pace, hang on for your dear life. And so I, but I didn't, I knew I couldn't go to that every day, right? Because that would be not smart for me and my training. So I, I chose like the days that I wanted to do kind of a tempo type run that I would jump in with those. And then, you know, maybe you want to find more of a social group that is running a little easier. I'll choose to go there on like a Thursday, you know, or something like that. So, um, yeah, I feel like there's definitely different flavors for, you know, there's, there's track workouts. And uh, that's another thing I could probably segue to is I lead, I don't run, but I actually coach track workouts every Tuesday night. And this is for a group called Run TRG, which stands for the Recovery Gym. And uh, the recovery gym is for people in recovery from substance addiction. So these are people that are trying to turn their life around and they hired me to be the endurance coach. So I lead 
track workouts on Tuesday nights, and I, I call them happy hour uh, trail Fridays. So Fridays at 6 p.m., I lead a, a nice and easy trail run. And so those are great, and that has helped people use running and community and connecting with others as a tool to get over their addiction from drinking and using substances. And so that's been very rewarding. And I could really see the benefits of groups and for these people that are like, we go out to eat afterwards and like they look forward to this Tuesday night and I draw up a different workout every Tuesday night to, to really come and do a, do a tough, intense workout. Um, mostly time-based. Um, so we can say, Hey, we're going to let yesterday we did, you know, 12 minutes at kind of tempo phase. And then we did uh, six minutes after a recovery. And then we did three minutes and just to push yourself outside your comfort zone a little bit. And then we go out to eat afterwards. And then Friday night we do called, we call happy hour, which is 6 PM on a Friday night, right? Instead of going to the bar, we go out to Forest Park and we just enjoy the trails together. And it's great. I think people are really benefiting from, again, I think we're all searching for some sort of connection to something bigger. And group running has been such a, uh, such a, you know, a cornerstone for me too, and a sense of community. And I mean, when I moved here to Portland, I didn't know anybody. And I, I, through the running community, I instantly made so many friends. And so that's why we started our business. And I can't believe it's already been a decade and we're still still going strong. And, and no surprise. I mean, I think what you're talking about there, that, that overlap between people recovering from addiction and people just wanting to have a sense of community is that it allows you to maybe swap one unhealthy habit for a healthier one. Or, or even if you don't have that unhealthy habit, it allows you to stick to something better. Because when you talk about habit forming, there's the triggers you get for your behaviors and then the rewards you get from them. So the social side of it is a massive reward and it's a very intrinsic one. It's just being there and being part of it versus being able to post on Facebook afterwards or getting some kind of pay for going there or you know something external like that. So I, I think that the, that's a really important element there that I think shouldn't be ever undervalued of why to, why to run with other people and why to have training buddies or training groups or other ways that can keep you honest and can keep you committed to it. Because we know that every single person is going to have issues with motivation when they're training yeah. hard. If you're trying to train for a half marathon, a marathon, an ultra, you've got to do a lot of running. And there's going to be some days you don't want to do that. Maybe it's a rainy day. Maybe it's a cold mm -hmm. winter day. Uh, maybe it's just you had a busy day at work. Mm -hmm. So all of these things really help to, to keep it on track. Uh, and particularly with what you're involved in there with the, with the recovery uh, group, oh, the recovery gym, sorry. That's so, uh, I think, emblematic of, of what we're talking about here. Yeah. And that's why it works. I mean, it's working in a totally. more extreme circumstance there to give them what they need to have these healthier habits. It's, it's great. I've seen people too. It's, it's almost been more rewarding. You know, we, we do a lot of corporate wellness fitness classes too. So we call them functional fitness classes. They're time-based body weight exercises mostly, and just helping people get out of their chairs and take a break from work, you know, sometimes middle of the day, move your body, work out, go back to work. And as I have always said that sometimes it's more rewarding working with people that work that are uh, working in this corporate setting and also working with people that are changing their life from their old unhealthy lifestyles through substance addiction, because you see the trajectory, you know, if a fit runner came to me and said, hey, I want to get faster. I want to be a better runner. Uh, in some ways, it's not as rewarding to me to see somebody completely transform their life and and you see their bodies change. You see their perspectives change on once was used to be a five mile run was huge to them. Now they're doing that multiple times a week and they're running double digits on the weekends. And to see them really get that twinkle in their eye and to see their times come down, that's, that's really rewarding to me as well. And to get out there and share, share uh, tips and techniques with them and get a, share some miles on the, on the road or trail with them as well. Um, and, but also just to remind them like, Hey, just cause we're, you know, fast runners or elite runners or whatever you want to call us. Right. Like running is still difficult. Like, I don't care if you're doing it in a group or, 
you know, it takes discipline. It's a, it's a hard activity. Like there are days where your energy levels are not up to par and you feel like you're working so hard to run a slow pace. <laughs> and, and, um, and we, we've all been there, no matter how, all, how fit you are, there. no matter how oh. close you are to your peak race. Yeah, absolutely. And we've all struggled with injuries, which can be mentally and emotionally draining as well. Um, thinking you're going to, you know, just overuse injuries where you think you're going to be getting back out there and you try to get back out there and you're like, nope, I'm still injured. And it's, it's, you have the drive and you have the motivation, but the biomechanics are not working in your body. And so that can be another really difficult part of, of, of running because then you can't run. So now you're missing out on your social stuff and you know it's just kind of a ripple effect that often happens so it's it's good to be to the running can can also be unbalanced in some ways so i feel like it's good to, to really try to find some sort of balance in that um it, because it's tough to do because especially in ultra marathons it's a very unbalanced sport so it's like there's there's it's hard to find balance in a very unbalanced it, it's definitely pretty sport. extreme yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was something i wanted to talk to you about relating to this so it's certainly the case that it helps to have other people to push you. But also, I think there can be two things, like you mentioned there, that if you then get injured or you're not able to do it for some reason, like in the last year, then you can feel like you're losing part of yourself. So how could you still keep that uh, in other ways? And, and I suppose that's going to be things like volunteering at a race or coaching people or helping out with these kind of groups mm-hmm. so that people can still have that social side and that payoff from being part of the team. Mm-hmm. And you're a runner, whether you're injured or not. It, it, just because you can't run that day doesn't mean you're not a runner, of course. And I think some people just they feel like they've lost that. And, and it yeah. does feel like a massive uh, totally. difference to who they are. But, totally. uh, but you, you do so much stuff like volunteering. I see you at aid stations and other things. So you're yeah. part of that community on days you're running and, and days you're not. Do you find that that just reinforces it? Like each reinforces the uh, other side? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love... I just love the whole, everything about it. It's become my life. I, if I'm not out there running a big one on the weekend or racing, I'm usually out there dressed up in a costume, serving other runners at an aid station. Um, my wife always gives me, gives me a hard time because she's more introverted and she says that she would rather stay in a dark room and read her book all day on a Saturday. And I would rather go stand in a costume and serve runners all day out in the forest. Um, but, uh, you do really... seem to have costumes on most of the time when you're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, I love the running community. I love helping other runners and just kind of paying it forward the way other runners have helped me in the past. Um, uh, you know, I feel like you, you got to give it away to keep it really. And, and that's one of the things I'm really trying to do with another group that I coach too. And I guess we can kind of segue into the, the youth programs that we, that we do, we offer with YE's full pack. And we, we really are trying to start these kids with this healthy habit of movement and running from an early age. So we started these, uh, what we call trail running and forest skills camp. And uh, it's been a great addition to our business an arm of our business, especially since the pandemic hit, because a lot of parents their, their kids have been doing online school and, you know, they want them to get outside more and move more. So that's kind of where we came in. And we, we also really wanted to try to improve the racial and ethnic diversity in outdoor sports, specifically running, trail running and hiking and whatnot. So we've opened up, we've have scholarships for, uh, we have scholarships for kids, um, BIPOC and folks that can't afford the camps. We actually just uh, were starting to sell this coffee uh, by a local company called Good Coffee, which made a made a special blend for YE's Wolfpack. And proceeds of the coffee sales are going to scholarships for these kids to really instill this sense of community and sense of movement from an early age. And it's also a great way, you know, to like for me, I feel like somebody that might have dealt with a lot of trauma early in life or maybe oppression or racism. It's a, this is an outlet for those types of feelings that you might just stuff down and keep them inside, right? Which can lead to addictions or what could lead to other problems in your life. So having this really 
you know, having this outlet for kids and starting them early has been such a big part of our business and a big part of what I love to do. And I find it just so rewarding. Uh, I actually just finished it just now before this call. It's exhausting, but I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, I, uh, I just, oh man, there's so much I could say about that. Um, going on and on. Oh, it sounds like a really rewarding thing where yeah, you it, you know it's making a big difference. And I, I completely agree there. The idea of getting kids just into sport of any kind, running, whatever it may be, just finding their tribe. Uh, and it might take a few attempts to get there, but just how valuable that is for then setting them up for life with different skills and just a different outlook on the value of moving and, and keeping totally. that as part of your life, no matter what your job is. One, one thing I was going to say, I just lost my train of thought there a second ago, but one thing I was going to say was, you know, one of the things we talk about in our community is like the terminology we use, right? There's just, we say trail running, right? All the time, every day we say trail running, that word. But like, how often do we go trail running and we're hiking, right? We're hiking so much. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I started coaching this guy who's mostly a road runner and he just was blown away. Like you run 50 miles, you run a hundred miles, you know? And I said, well, we're not running the whole way, you know? Oh, you're not. Oh, you're hiking too. Oh, oh, okay. That's, you know, in his mind, like, oh, okay. I mean, it's still intense and it's still extreme. But like, oh, I didn't know you you were allowed to hike. <laughs> you know, it's almost like well, it, it's so barrier, I, definitely, yeah. I feel like as we often say, foot travel, right? Foot travel, uh, because I feel like I've just noticed in my running career that you know your identity, especially people that have come from a road running background that are now going into hillier trail running and and mountain running and things like that their identity is so attached to running that immediately if they feel like they have to hike that their their ego is attached to that and they they feel like they're 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 failing at trail running because they're not running and so I, that's one of the first things i always say to people as they're getting into trail running is that you got to leave your ego at the trailhead hiking is a part of trail running i always tell people about you mr sharman that you are one of, I would say, top three or four fastest power hikers that I've ever seen. You, Carl Meltzer, there's this other guy, William Elmerson, um, who's a local legend here. Willie's a very fast power hiker as well, long legs. But you will, you could be power hiking next to somebody that's trying to run an uphill, and you are going the same speed. And it's something that I've really come to enjoy. That doesn't happen on the first hill. (laughs) (laughs) But it's something that I've really just come to embrace. And, and I also practice and train to become a better power hiker because I find myself power hiking a lot of these mountains and, um, and races. So why not go ahead and, and practice and work on your technique and try to strengthen those muscles and give some of those running muscles a break. And then, stretching out your hamstrings and hip flexors a little bit and and then you can get back to running when the terrain dictates so that's a that's another thing i i talk to with the kids is that like it's okay like if you need to hike no problem Uh, another thing i try to work on them is pacing right (laughs) no matter how many times i can tell them you know go and don't sprint out of the gates right you know uh, I say go, it's a dead sprint. And then, you know, halfway around the track, they're walking. So, um, you know, just being mindful about the terminology that we use. And if you're a new runner, it's okay to hike, you know, find some like-minded people, some some people that are pacing around you around the same speed. And, you know, I mean, there's there's no there's no secret that these running groups work. I mean, look around, you know, you have different marathon groups, charity groups. My first marathon was with team and training, actually. It was for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And I I found great benefit in meeting with them every Saturday for a long run. Do you want to run better than you've ever run before? You need to make a change. And that's what Inside Tracker is all about. Inside Tracker is an ultra-personalized wellness platform that analyzes your body data and creates science-backed action plans to help you reach your potential for better-than-ever endurance and performance. 
For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering 25% off its entire store. Just visit insidetracker.com slash endurance hour. Get Inside Tracker today because change is an inside job. So that, that leads me to a couple of linked things. So the idea of running with other people so you can learn from them. So for example, if you go from roads to trails, but you only run on your own, and then you're like, how the hell do they run this stuff in a race? And you don't realize they're actually hiking it. But if you go with some experienced people, they can say, yeah, yeah, this bit, we totally hike this. And it's fine. You don't need to feel guilty about it. So right. you gain those skills and the ability to learn from people, not just the physical um, additions of pushing yourself with them, but also mm -hmm. the skills. And particularly when we look at trails, when we look at uh, beyond the half marathon in particular, there's a lot more of a skill set needed yes. for how you judge things and, and other stuff that comes into it and having to eat within races, for example, exactly. that you don't really need to do up to a half marathon. Right. But then the flip side of that is that also, if you're running with other people, it can get quite competitive. So yeah. there's things like, uh, doing hard runs all the time, uh, running through injuries, just basically not wanting to look weak in front of your friends or in front of your kind of rivals. And, and I imagine a lot of the marathon groups, there's an element of that, you know, they're, they're all building up towards the Boston marathon or something, and they don't want to show weakness on one session because then that person might think they'll beat them in the race as well. So yeah. how do you uh, advise people to, to kind of get the benefits of that, but not the negative side of being drawn into doing too much? No, it's a great point. It's very valid. I love Strava as a tool sometimes, but I feel like it can be a double-edged sword because people, mm -hmm. again, will not allow themselves to post the time on there that they don't feel is uh, worthy. You know, it's, oh, it's so slow, you know, and or they're so competitive or, they, or they, they're racing for segments every run. And, you know, that, that, that can end badly as well. And I, I always tell people too, it's like, do you want to win on Strava or do you want to do well in your race? You know, you choose, you know, it's like, you can be the Strava king if you want to do that, but probably going to have a subpar race yeah. if you're doing. Not, not if you're the Strava king every day, certainly. <laughs> yes. So I, I really try to, again, just allow people to just, or tell encourage people to not get caught up in the comparison of things because everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Everybody, I mean, you know, this as a, as a coach too. I mean, that's where like per personalized and customized coaching comes in because every person's life is different. You know, you, this person might have multiple kids and a high powered job and, you know, a lot of stress where this person, you know, works at the coffee shop three days a week and is like 24 and like has loads of time and lots of youth on their side, they can handle a 60 mile week. This person can't handle, you know, this person's 30 miles max or something, you know? So comparison is the thief of joy, right? When you start, I looking, was going to use exactly that phrase. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you start looking at all these social media outlets and I mean, they're great for inspiration and stuff, but there's a definite downside where you're just like, you know, how, how is this person doing so much and so fast? And like, you, you start looking at yourself and like, why am I not that good? Or, you know, I, I you know, I remember back in the day, just reading some blogs when blogs used to be a big thing. And, you know, a couple of our friends, you know, like, I'm just like, how the heck are they doing so much mileage and how much verse? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then I'm just realizing like, Hey, their life is different. And, you know, maybe their well, body is like you said, handle. maybe they are, Maybe they're nailing it on Strava or they're nailing it in their blog, but they're actually just leaving themselves wrecked for race day. Uh, I've seen that so many times and it can be intimidating when you look at it and go, wow, that person's so fit and I've got to race them next week. Yeah. But actually they might just be completely worn out because yeah. they were basically performing with their training that's versus training for the race. So uh, it's also that that's the other element of comparison. It's not about just you and what you put out to other people, but bear in mind that just because you see someone else's stuff in there, yeah. that doesn't mean that's a good reflection of where they are and they may be making mistakes or may have a totally different lifestyle. Maybe they're sleeping 12 hours a day and their mm -hmm. sponsor is paying for everything yeah, or they right, uh, right. Uh, you know, don't have to work or whatever it may be. And so they can afford right, to, right. To, to do a bit more and get away with it. It's a good point. And, you know, a lot of these apps and whatnot, like allow you to hide like privacy settings. So it's just like, all right, you know, my philosophy is, you know, you got to do a lot of easier runs as well. Can't just go hard all the time. So if you're too bashful about sharing those slow runs, 
like hide them, you know, hide them and <laughs> just post your other runs or whatever. So, um, well, I, I would say for anyone thinking like that, cause I, I put a lot of really slow stuff on Strava. I put walks that I do with I do a weight too. vest on there. Uh, yeah. It yeah, drags I, down my average pace. Yeah, right, but, right. but what it's also doing is showing people that's fine. That's okay to do that. And it's what, what speaks for itself is how well you perform when you're trying to perform, not how well you perform every single day of the week when you're trying to do easy runs. I actually love that you do that. And I actually use you as an example many times. I actually talked to somebody today on a video call because she's, she's doing Western States and she's, she's gunning for a top 10. And I, I used our experience at Western States, you know, you've done it 10 times, right? Or 11? Yep. And then 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 times. I've done it four times, all four times that I've done it. You and I have like hiked that first climb relatively together. You know, a lot of times we were talking, hiking, hiking together. We were probably, you know, I told her we were probably in like 30th place, 20th to 30th place at the top of the mountain you've always come in the top 10, you know, and it's like, you know, you might lose five minutes in the first few miles, but you're going to make that up. You're going to make that up. So yeah, I I love that you show that. I I show it all the time on my Strava as well, that um, it's okay to go super easy. It's, you know, it's easy on the easy days, hard on the hard days. And don't let your ego get too involved and and don't worry what anyone else thinks about it because there's a lot of different pathways to success. It's not just whoever has the biggest numbers on Strava is the best. Right. Uh, Right. I'm often amazed that, that if you look at the order of finishes, particularly beyond the marathon, but even at the marathon, Mm -hmm. some degree, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be exactly correlated with how their mileage was or their fastest Mm -hmm. run or something like that. There's obviously a correlation, but the longer the race is, the lower that correlation is going to be. Uh, I'm just going to correct you one thing that I only got nine of those top 10. I was 15th in the last month. That's right. (laughs) Oh, you slacker. Oh, no. Oh, that's quite a stat line that I, you know, I've told you this before when we've run together, that that's quite a legendary stat line that, uh, man, I'm just, so amazed and impressed by it and you know just grateful to have witnessed it firsthand and you know be a part of it uh, during this era of western states because it's quite a streak you got there well it, it's the great thing about the community you know the people i know in oregon people i know around that race because i've been it so many times yeah. that is a big part of what we're talking about today so sometimes it might be a particular event maybe it's your local uh, city marathon, maybe it's the local 10 miler or, you know, the, there's some major ones that are much shorter than that, like beta breakers. That's only 12 K yeah, or something like probably. that in the Bay area. So there's plenty of these other races that that could be your main focus or another one that has a lot of community behind it, but the shorter is the Dipsy race. It's only yeah. what, seven miles long, but it's yeah. been going for a hundred and something years. And Older than know, Boston, a lot of people yeah. live their whole year for that race. Totally. Um, and so yeah, that means there's a community. There's all the people training on the course. There's all the people mm-hmm. swapping tips about how to do it well or what the course conditions are. There'll be forums for that. There'll be group runs you can do. So that's mm-hmm. another kind of element of, of how people can get involved totally. with this. Absolutely. I mean, you know, cult, the, the word cult always gets this kind of negative co- connotation, right? But, you know, we are part of this cult as a runner. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I love the Hurt 100 as well. Uh, you know, on paper, I remember looking at this race saying like, oh, man, I'll never do that race. And then what happened was the Ohana, that what they call the Hurt Ohana, which means family but closer than family, you, you create this bond with, with the people that come to this race year after year. And the nature of the course is, you know, out and back, out and back loop where you see everybody multiple times throughout the race and you become part of this bigger thing of every year. See you next year. See you next January, you know, and people go back to their communities and then they reconvene in Hawaii in January and, you know, you're hugging each other and you're helping each other out on the course. And it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And there are a lot of people out there that don't have any sort of, you know, I guess community like that or passion. And I, I just always am talking to people about, I'm just so grateful that I've found this, this community and this fire, this passion to do something that I love and to connect with others. 
you know, I mean, it's the same reason, you know, other groups work really well or, you know, musicians, um, you know, or religion or, you know, all these different people that come together for a shared. To, to give you something that you all like doing together. And that actually leads perfectly into the next thing I want to talk about, which you have mentioned previously with the uh, the speed sessions you do for the, the TRG guys, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is um, you obviously are, uh, you, you come from a, a heritage of being a BIPOC runner. You uh, have been a big proponent of Black Lives Matter. That's on your um, website for work as well. Mm-hmm. You've been interviewed a lot about this uh, topic in the past year too. So um, that the, running is obviously a way that can overcome some barriers between people. You can be rich Absolutely. or poor or whatever your background, and especially when travel's involved and people are coming from all over the world, then, then there's a lot more variety there. So do you want to just say a little bit about... Um, what your your background is like, um, just so people can get some context for that first. For sure, I grew up in a city in Pennsylvania. Uh, my mom, trying to better our life, got us out of the city when I was going into the sixth grade and moved us to a rural Pennsylvania, where that was the first time I experienced racism uh, overtly. And, you know, it was a huge eye opener for me. I was going into middle school. There were like three black people in the entire town. And I was, you know, I was one of the only people that were non-white. And, you know, my father's from North Africa and Morocco. And, um, you know, it was just eye opening to me. And it, you know, caused a lot of it caused me to go in some bad directions in my life. And I, I resorted to going into you know, down, down that avenue of, of addiction with uh, drinking and, and using um, substances. And luckily, it took me down pretty quickly. I was 25 years old when I got sober, and I'll be 43 this year. So uh, I've had a good stretch of sobriety. I've actually been sober longer than I, than I, than I drank, which is, uh, I'm really grateful mm-hmm. for that. And, but, uh, you know, as I've, you know, journeyed through life, I still have, you know, kind of experienced a lot of this, you know, racism, whether it was overt or microaggressions. And, you know, uh, the running community has been so great. And, you know, I don't say that I feel it in the running community at all, like runners are my tribe, but I I definitely notice how the disparity in our sport and I often I'm asking why and talking about why and what can we do to improve that and I feel you know that's a pretty complex issue and but I feel like people again you know this last year and a half has been really tough but I think much like my life um, and my journey where a lot of pain was the kind of the touch tone of growth I feel like in our culture and in the world we're living in today, we went through a really painful time. And I think now we're hopefully going to grow from that. And I think a lot of organizations like ours and races and even just other businesses in the community are going above and beyond for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really just taking action, not just like putting up on their website that, you know, Black Lives Matter and and whatnot but like going above and beyond and one of the things i'll mention too is with our our friends that go beyond racing here and they're doing this trail mix fund where people can donate as a part of their race entry to kick into this fund that will allow people um, bipoc or people that might not be able to afford it to get a free race entry to really improve like if that to just take down another barrier that might be right um, and like I said, what we're doing through our business, like starting the kids young and showing them that there are people that are brown, um, that are climbing mountains, that are running ultras. Because right now, I mean, they don't see too many people like them that are doing that. They see people like LeBron James uh, and, you know, people playing basketball and football and, you know, making millions of dollars or maybe the Kenyans in our sport. Uh but that's about it. So I think that's a big part of it is like companies are showing it more and running communities are, are going above and beyond. Organizations are taking strides to improve this and let people know that they're welcome in the running community. It's not just a white sport. <laughs> Would you say there's any things that 
uh, anyone listening, maybe, maybe they don't own a business or, or can't have an effect on the policies of things at, at a greater level like that, but things that they could do just in their daily life or within their running life that are helpful. Um, so not just not being harmful of like thinking positive thoughts, but any actual takeaways that little things people could uh, could try and do on a daily basis? In terms of? Just to, to try and um, make people more welcome, to make things more diverse and more even and equitable, uh, at least within right. the running space. And we're not, you know, what, what kind of things do you think people could do? Or is it really so much more complex than that, that it's more I than mean, just do your one little thing and then you can tick that off for the day? I mean, it's a one, it's, it's, it's a pretty complex issue, but I think, you know, letting people know that like, you know, let's, let's try, let's try this as an outlet. Like, I mean, obviously not everybody is a runner and not everybody wants to be a runner or, but you know, I never thought that I wanted to be a runner. Like when I was 24 or 25, if you like told me I would be doing what I'm doing today, like I would have thought you were crazy, you know? And so I feel like sometimes by introducing something by somebody, introducing something to somebody that might be different, like, let's just try it out. Let's try going out for a little trail run or a hike. You might uncover this whole other world for somebody, not only for their physical health and mental health and emotional health, but as a way, like I said, for me, as a way to process oppression or to process, you know, life and to be able to have this outlet to have more compassion towards people instead of to have resentment towards people. And that's, that's been huge for me and my recovery as a person and my journey is being able to have more empathy, more compassion, more love and tolerance rather than more anger, resentment, and bitterness. And, you know, it's really been facilitated through uncovering this passion that I never thought that I would have. I mean, there's like, you know, there's a, there's a saying that, you know, I, I don't remember exactly verbatim, but it's basically like contempt prior to investigation will keep you in ignorance, right? contempt prior to investigation like i for me i never in the first place yes exactly like i i don't know what it is but i know i don't want it you know what i mean that that Mm -hmm. kind of mentality towards something and that's how i was for many things in my life not just running but for you know everything you know like 12-step meetings i'm like nope i don't want that nope they're probably gonna try to you know you know, sell me on some religion or something. I don't want that, you know, or, uh, you know, those people are da da da, you know, and it's just these snap judgments and this kind of contempt prior to investigation. But then once I investigated like, Oh, wow, they're cool, you know, or wow, I really like running or I really like these groups, you know, it's like, wow, I really, uh, but you gotta, you gotta try things. So I guess that's a long, long answer for like, maybe sometimes you could try to introduce somebody to hiking or running or outdoors as, because I really feel like, you know, I know we're kind of running out of time and stuff, but I really feel like running and outdoor movement is like so much more than just like this hobby or something to do. I always feel like as human beings, we have this something like deeply embedded in our genome as a human that we feel better when we go outside, preferably into the forest or into a natural area, not like in, you know, the city or on a treadmill. I mean, you still feel good when you do that too. But for me, when you go out into the forest, into nature, something starts resetting and start, I start feeling better. And that's not just me, that's millions upon billions of people. That's why we have parks and forests and trails and natural areas and wilderness areas. And, you know, I think people just get so locked into their lives, whether it's stress and, you know, um, money or they, they can't imagine like having time for that. You know, we all get busy and it's like, I can't go running today. But actually, they find paradoxically when they do take the time to go out to the park or to the forest, that it actually opens up headspace for them to be more productive and to be a better human. So I'm definitely preaching to the conversion. 
I yeah, 100% yeah. <laughs> agree with that. Yeah. Well, I used to, my, I remember when my daughter was a baby, I, she would be like inconsolably crying and I would simply just like walk outside with her and we would walk out into the trees. And then all of a sudden she'd start looking up at the trees and she would stop crying. You know, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I, I think sport itself is one of the great ways to bring people together. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the movie Invictus about South oh, yeah. Africa yeah. and Nelson Mandela, and he wanted mm-hmm. uh, South Africa to win the World Cup when they were hosting it um, to help bring the country together and to show mm-hmm. this team that even though it's predominantly white, is a white with at least one black person in it to bring people together through sport. And, and that is certainly something with running that I think all of us can see that. I mean, someone you might not have been friends with in the street, but you would be friends with if they're your running group or your running club and just being open to that and realizing that it, it it's such a level and you realize you've got much more in common with people than differences to them. So Absolutely. I think that's one of, the, one of the best things about all sport. And I'm not talking about just running there, but sure, sure. what you embody, all the things that you were mentioning earlier, the youth running groups you do, the helping people with addiction, the uh, volunteering at races, these are all things where you're putting in work and it's not specifically to try and bring or to heal the community but that's a big part of what it is and, and there's obviously no easy answers to fix yeah. any yeah. balances yeah. in the world and, and, and any um long-term historical wrongs but i think sport's one of the best ways to start uh, and and i think I agree. most people with that and so the kind of things you're doing or even just as simply as you know someone new to your running group whoever it is whatever color of skin they have just being welcoming and you know if they're looking yeah. a little bit sheepish yeah. on the side say hey hi welcome to the group join absolutely. us this is a, a nice place to be we're, we're happy to have you absolutely now you brought up some great points i 100 percent agree and it's a great analogy i think like you said uh, it was a great movie invictus and you know i, I agree sport really does bring people together and you know we find that we have this common common denominator and uh yeah again i'm just so grateful that i've i've found this community and we've become friends and that you know anytime you're in portland we'll just you know head mm-hmm. out head out pick up right where we left off and uh you know and see each other at races and you know and like you mentioned you did western states nine ten years in a row uh, I realized after I went there three years in a row, I just stayed home the following June and I was at home watching the race on my phone. And I'm like, why am I not down there? I was mm-hmm. missing it so much being there. And so I, since then, uh, I've been at Western States every year and I'm going down there again to support. a couple. Me, of me too. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, I'm racing, it'll be there. If I'm not racing, it'll be there. That's just what I'm going to do because it's that community. It's it's the people who you have this shared history with after you've done it for a bit. There's mm-hmm. all the memories you have with them as well, of course. So uh, yeah. that does add up over time. So I wanted to finish on um, the whole idea of adventure runs because we, we mentioned that a little bit earlier on. Uh, and so we talked about some pretty extreme stuff where it's like all day long runs around mountains in, in the wilderness. It doesn't have to be quite that extreme. It could just be maybe there's a, a local trail you want to do. I've, I've seen people like Mike Ward and they've done things like uh, running the the ring road around dc where he lives for example right, right, so that's right, again quite right. long but it, it's not as remote so um i did you know did you have any tips for how people could maybe think of something uh, adventurous that they could do that's maybe a little bit longer or a little bit different to what they'd normally do yeah. ideally do it with some friends a- any any kind of um pointers for people to to think about well, this is not a sponsored post. I'm not sponsored by this company <laughs> at all. But, uh, you know, I actually just, I was traveling for three months over the winter in my camper van. And I was down through Arizona and Joshua Tree and all these different areas. And I just downloaded this app called All Trails. And All Trails is great because you can do, it's not just trail runs or, or you know, you can look at different routes from, you know, from short to, to long and it, it'll give you there's so many different apps now and you can explore right from your doorstep you don't have to drive out to the mountains to do stuff i mean you can link things up nearby and i think people have this notion that i oh i have to live in somewhere like oregon to be able to do this or i have to live in you know a place that is near trails like there are uh, adventure is out right outside your door 
it can be anywhere. I, I'll give a good it. example here. So when I lived in, in London, it's not the most scenic place. Yeah, you get some tourist things that you run by every day, but it's not like the most amazing trail system or anything around there. Right. But uh, 100 years after the 1908 Olympic marathon to the day, the, uh, the 100 marathon club that I was a member of, they organized a race that mimicked exactly the route of that first marathon. Right. And, and the special thing about that marathon is it was the first one that made it be 26.2 miles because they made it a little bit longer than marathons typically were then, which is about 25 miles, so that it would finish in front of the king right. and his box. Right, right, so, right. Um, we did that exact route. And it is a boring route. And the roads weren't <laughs> closed. And it was like a Wednesday <laughs> afternoon or something. But it was an adventure. It was a really yeah. cool idea. Sometimes it's just about thinking of something historical or something that will make it a little bit more exciting or something memorable. Because I totally remember that. It's like, how cool was that? 100 totally. years to the day later, really we cool. did the same course. That's cool. Another 100 years to be able to do that again. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't like it was the most scenic thing. It wasn't totally. the most beautiful thing. But again, sense of community, all of us doing it together, the reason we were doing it, that's what made it special. Well, and having something like that you design or you have like a mission or a focus for the run too, I think helps sometimes. It's like, uh, you know, instead of just going out for a run or I, I guess uh, I guess I'll close with, you know, this definition of adventure that I really connected to and I really like. And I feel like this really kind of sums it up for what we like to do in terms of adventure. And I was given a talk one night about attempting three of the toughest races in a calendar year, which was Badwater 135, UTMB, and Hurt 100. And I attempted all three of those within 12 months. And I finished two out of the three. And I said this during that talk was, you know, adventure is seeking out, seeking out a challenging and dangerous endeavor where the outcome is unknown. And so I, I really like that because it's like you're really taking on this like challenging and risky endeavor where you don't actually know if you're going to finish or you don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like that's why I really connected with trail running and with ultra running and it's not guaranteed that I'm going to finish. That's maybe why I maybe got away from the road half marathons and marathons. It's like, I pretty much know I'm going to finish within this time range, no matter how fit I am or, you know what I mean? And it's fun to push and yeah. take off those little percentage points and stuff through training. And that's satisfying too. But there's something more about the adventure stuff that like, you don't know what's going to happen. And that I feel like, you know, that adventurous spirit really calls to me well i think that's a great point to finish on and that definition is exactly the right way to think about it and when i think of adventure you're the first person that jumps into my mind because you've <laughs> you've introduced me to so many different yeah, ones yeah. In, in recent years so thank you so much for your time yasin let's get out um, i'll let people know how they can find okay. you um uh, after this in in the outro but uh, okay yeah Sounds thank you good. so much thanks for having me let's get out for an adventure soon one thing I want to apologize for there is I uh, called his business partner Brian instead of Willie. I have met Willie. I do know him. Um, but anyway, you can follow Yassine Daboon on Twitter and Instagram at, at Yassine Daboon, or his business is Y East Wolfpack, and that's at Y East Wolfpack. Uh, no commas or anything in W Y E E A S T Wolfpack. The business website also has a wide variety of links related to BLM for people to follow, articles and books to read related to that, and podcasts to listen to. And you can contact me, Ian Sharman, at shamanultra.com. Also let me know if there are particular topics or guests you'd be interested in. Finally, it really helps the podcast reach more people if you rate or subscribe on whatever channel you get your shows from. So we really appreciate that. And you can check out podiumrunner.com for articles for runners of all levels. Thank you. See you next month.